You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 80 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm CC Broadus, joined by Alan Schneider. Alan, are you there? I am. We took a week off, just like everybody else did. That's a Breeders' Cup, but we're back with a vengeance, hopefully, today. Back in black. We're also joined by Brandon Jaggers. Brandon, what are you trying to do to your TV right now? Mount it on brick. Just so I can have the podcast come down to the basement of my new house. We can handicap and actually share tickets together. Because now's the time to do it. We could have made a lot of money Sunday. Alan and I did a lot of research on the backside Sunday morning, and we just missed because I can't explain it. That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. Well, you said a lot without saying anything. So (laughs) congratulations on that. Uh, Got a guest coming up, uh, Mr. Brian Hernandez Jr., a, a, a repeat guest, and we're happy to have him. A little bit later let's uh let's recap we got a lot of ground to cover in a short time and we're gonna kick it off uh just uh real quick uh alan we'll go to you any thoughts on uh, the breeders cup that was at del mar this uh, oh my. not this past weekend but the weekend before we went uh we're going back in time aren't we a um, couple things that come to mind two great rides uh two incredible rides one by jose ortiz on a horse i did not have on friday and helped me with the name it was the one horse for Bobby Flay, and I can't think of the name of the horse in the in the juvenile. Pizza. Pizza. Pizza Bianca. Piazza Bianca. Pizza Bianca. Incredible ride. That stopped me. That's I guess maybe because you had the overhead view from the cameras from the that showed you exactly what Jose Ortiz did there. Uh, that struck me. And then the following day, and I'm never going to get this guy's name right. Yuga Fukata or whatnot in the Philly Mare Turf aboard. Uh, Loves only loves, you. Loves only you. Uh, I thought was just uh, tremendous. Uh, letting a stone cold dead closer go like warlike goddess, and, it, and and letting those go by. You don't let horses like that go by unless you're confident. And then he let them go by, and you know this a guy riding our country probably for the first time. Incredible patience. Let them go by and split it to get up. And actually, one semi going away. Um, our guests, JJ and both Caitlin Free, uh, were really high on that horse that day. And I, I, I know they watch those races. I don't. But I thought that was a tremendous ride by, uh, I want to say it's Yuga Fakata, but I know I'm butchering his name. But nonetheless, it was a fantastic ride. Those two, those two uh, kind of stuck out to me a little bit. Yeah, I wanted to make sure I call out that I, I had CC. Although I didn't bet it right, I put it on the podcast as somebody that was coming off the pace and won one great for Mike McCarthy. Uh, I thought Love's Only You was awesome. I think everybody was on that in this group. What was the horse name that we didn't have? Was it Ebeer or something? I don't remember. Oh, Eber. No, Eber. That was, that was Eber, Hannibal. Yeah. You may be the Japanese horse in the in the uh, this stat. Yeah, was, was that was that hard name? to have. Marshall Lorraine. Marshall Lorraine. Oh, that's right. Well, our good friend Tyler Glick actually had it, but he didn't call me and tell me the day before. I saw him Friday. He'd been sitting on that horse, he said, so I love hearing that. That's impressive. But, uh, 
that's how I went home after that to see Nick's co just go gate to wire. It was a lot of fun though. It was it was a fun day. We had a lot of fun out there that day. Uh, it was a long day, but uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun out there on Breeders' Cup. I, I really liked who we sat next to it in the uh, gold room on balcony. They were a ton of fun. Oh, if I really? see them again, I can't wait. That was a <laughs> that was an all star Saturday up on that balcony. We had Rob Benefield and Greg Holloway and Will Nefsker and me and you and you all. It was just, uh, I mean, it, that was like, there was a lot of autographs to be passed around that day. <laughs> and Kate, it was Caitlin's debut. Caitlin as a, Free joined us later. Church, yeah. Churchill analyst. We we kind of knew about that. We're really excited for Caitlin to get that opportunity, by the way, too. She's great. Bull Butter so was there. It, Bull Butter was there. And then some other, as Brandon was alluding <laughs> to, some other things, whatever. But we kind of, we kind of, we kind of nipped some of that stuff in the bud, didn't we, Brandon? <laughs> yeah. 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 You no. Know. I had to uh, back down to home, but uh, yeah. I will tell you that Will Nasker sat on Aloha West in his single pick five, and he did a great job of singling that horse. Unfortunately, he couldn't get that. Damn Japanese race. horse. Yeah. He might have walked away with the actual racetrack that horse if, if he could have got through that leg, but yes. you know, it's, it's, such is the game we play. That's right. One thing I'll note, uh, there was, like we talked about, there was two Japanese winners, both of them, uh, descend from probably the greatest Japanese sire of all time, Sunday Silence. And I tell you what, if those Japanese decide, the horsemen decide to bring uh, their horses over here, they're, they're going to be uh, scary tough to, to deal come. with. They just, they don't have to ship because the purses over there are so good. Mm-hmm. When they ship over here, it's just for the sportsmanship of it. And I, I tell you what, you know, a horse like Marsh Lorraine, you can't find a replay on that race, on those uh, races anywhere. So that was kind of aggravating, but uh, uh, before we switch off to another topic, let's talk about that that Friday, the final race, the Bruce Cup Juvenile <laughs> Turf. We can we got to touch on this. Everybody knows the story. My question is, what do you do to fix something like this? What's what's Hell the remedy? I, know. I, I don't I, know. I've got a I've got a remedy. Well, then you you go because I I I want to be honest. With you, I backed into the winter, but the scratch hurt me personally. Uh, but I know it hurt other people a lot worse than it hurt me. Uh, I gotta be honest. I can imagine sitting on a pick five, pick six, and then watching your horse win, and then and then losing. It's it, it's it's hard to comprehend. It really is. And if you have a solution, I'm all willing to hear it. Well, the scratch actually helped me. I backed into the pick four, four hundred dollars. Yeah. So that that helped me out. But I, yeah, I can't imagine being on the the losing end of that where. It, when the, uh, the the horse that eventually won the race scratched, you get the the morning line favorite. Or excuse me, the po- excuse me, the post time favorite. The post time favorites figs were all fake, basically yeah. because uh, the, yeah. the 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 timing of the, his last win was wrong, and so his figures were no good. So, but uh, uh, yeah, there's there's two solutions in in my opinion. You is either I, I'm fine with letting the horse run for purse money only, but don't don't refund the pick six, pick five, pick four, pick threes, doubles. You let those ride. You refund the win place show, exact to try, super effective wager. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let, let, if, let that ride. Let the other wagers ride. Or you just give a console. You get consolation and take all that money out of the pool that's on on the uh, the scratched horse. And just give that out, pay that out as a console. That's or, a good idea. Or 
uh, we've got tech, technology now. Should be the tote should be more advanced than it is. We should be able to do an alternative, pick an alternative right. for that in case you have a scratch, and then that way you're not stuck with a, a bad favorite that you don't want. Uh, but anyway, I digress. That was uh, probably disappointing for a lot of people. It really turned people off. That, yeah, it's uh, hard. How do you explain that to your buddies who go to the track with you? Right. How do you who are who not as experienced? I mean, it's experienced people like you, myself, and people even more experienced than us. Hell, we can't explain it to each other, let alone no. explain it to a newbie. Or, and how yeah. how long we've been playing? We still don't know the pick three and the and the double and the, all that scratch the scratch rules. We have to ask each other, y'all, and we hell we don't know half the I, time. I think I know, but I'm like that. I'm not sure. And then when you play other jurisdictions, you don't know for sure either. So right, yeah. exactly. All right. And so, I'll, I'll pray for four out of five on the pick five. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> if I can yeah. get $10 back, I'd love it. <laughs> yeah, which tracks which tracks pay four out of five and which don't? I think Ellis and Keeneland do, and I think the rest of them pay right. five out of five only. So, but anyway, all right. Moving right along, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, uh, Brandon. Brandon's Philly. Dream a little dream of you sold at auction. Uh, tell me about that, Brandon. Yeah, it was a neat experience. I never, I never thought I'd be that fortunate and lucky to get to kind of the sales ring at all after a racing career of, of a horse. And, uh, I felt very fortunate with the partners and I really want to thank Dan Glick, the elite team that helped us, that helped us sell her as well as, you know, Brad Cox and off the track, Dale Lau. Dale Lau has always helped us with our horses and gives them a nice place to stay when they need some time. And, Get some ready when they need to come back to the track. So, uh, I mean, to do that, to have that horse for over two and a half years, and to actually get to that point and her to being, you know, as well as she was, uh, it's it's quite remarkable, and I'm very happy. And I mean, I never thought it would ever happen, something like that, but it, it can. And with the right people, they pick the right horse. And you know, we're not big time. We bought her for sixty five thousand dollars to be able to sell her, well, race her for one. And then her produce and actually win some nice races and uh, to sell at the end of the day as a as a broodmare prospect, uh, I mean that you you can't you can't beat it. So you know I'm very fortunate and it was a great experience actually and uh, I learned a lot. It's a total different deal when you go to the sale and um, I plot myself down in front of the people that were bidding on her. Had no idea that was going to be the case uh, and and have that much disposable income to my right hand, you know, <laughs> right over my shoulder. So, uh, but town and country seems, seems to be a great, a great farm and that's where she's going to be. And, uh, hope to hope to get to visit dream when she's, uh, uh, pregnant. So I, I think it's going to be excellent. So, uh, but awesome experience and, and hopefully more to come, but it's very, very hard. And Alan, uh, and, New beginnings for our friends at uh, Daytona Stables as their uh, Philly mismatchmaker is going to debate, debut on Thursday in race two. Tell us about that. Yeah, Lee and Bob Butler uh, have their uh, they've got their stable Daytona Stables. We mentioned we've had them on the show before. Great people. I know they're excited to have their uh, their first one hit the track for Tom Drury. I believe it's a restricted maiden special weight. If I'm not mistaken, is that right? Nine two thousand dollar purse. Yeah, one of those maiden auction races. Yeah, maiden. Uh, those are actually fun races to me. So they, you know, hopefully they can uh, do well in there. Hope down the road the horse makes uh, makes them happy, makes some money, and hope their uh, their business uh, 
their venture starts out strong. They've got Tom Drew as a trainer, so I'm sure it will. So good luck to them. And congratulations to Brandon. Thank you, Alan. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, another good sale result, which is so crazy, is, uh, you know, one of our, our podcast guests, Will Nefsker, sold their weanling. Uh, they have the mayor, Cairo Driver, I think is their name. And I think the sire of that horse was, oh, no, I just had a lapse. But they were able to sell a weanling. Uh, gosh, it was a $20,000 cover stud fee. And I can't, it's right on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, they sold at auction on Sunday for $87,000 right. for basically a seven-month-old horse, which wow. is incredible. So congrats to Will. Will. In his partnership, I think it's called River City Racing. They've they've got one in that's uh, that hopefully will debut at Turfway uh, for Tom Jury too. So, all right, outstanding. Okay, so uh, we're going to get to our guest right now, and that's Brian Hernandez Jr. Alan's going to introduce him right now. Yeah, thanks, EC. Um, our guest this evening has been on a roll, or is that a rattling roll, here in the bluegrass for a while now parlaying his Ellis Park riding title into a red-hot autumn in Kentucky with numerous stakes wins and tons of promising young horses that had to get the heart pumping for next spring. He's someone we were very fortunate enough to have as our first-ever guest on the Auxiliary Gate, so I suppose he's largely responsible for making this podcast the global phenomenon it has come. That's a joke. We'd like to welcome back Brian Hernandez to the podcast. Mr. Brian, how are you doing this evening? Hey, Alan, I'm good. And yourself? Oh, I, you're with us. You've made me a lot of money in the last couple months. I'm good. So uh, thank you for joining us, and thank you for patting my uh, Twin Spires account. Um, but anyway, you know, you know, Brian, a few months ago, uh, we predicted on air with uh, – we had Joe Christofek on, and we predicted – Joe did as well – that uh, Kenny McPeak was going to have one big uh, fall season here in the Bluegrass and our co-host, occasional co-host, J.J. Hysel, predicted Dallas Stewart was going to pop with a lot of two-year-olds uh, this this fall. And as it turns out, lo and behold, those things did happen, and you're the common thread between the two. So before we start, you know, boasting too much on ourselves or J.J., did you expect that many big-time efforts from all these horses that Dallas Stewart and Ken McPeak put out there? Uh, you know, in, in Dallas's case, he did tell me before we before we left for Ellis Park in that this summer that he was going to take a bunch of horses over to Colonial and just and just kind of lay low and, and get good foundations in them so he'd be ready to, to have a big fall. And that's that was his plan. And that's the way it worked out. And then in, in Kenny's situation, you know, Kenny, uh, he took a bunch of horses up to Saratoga and he had that whole quarantine situation mm-hmm. go down. So his born kind of got thrown into a loop and he just made for a long summer, but uh, we were able to benefit from it because now those horses came back here to Kentucky and they've all just been running through the bridles really. Yeah, they have. I mean, it, I'm never gonna be able to get to mention all of them. I wish I could because uh, even though I, I we, we kind of predicted that this might happen, it still happened in a manner that even I was surprised with CC. Uh, those horses have been running out of their minds and it's, it's gotta be exciting for you. I gotta be honest. It has to be. Going yeah, forward. yeah, it is. You know, it, it, it's a lot of fun, you know, just to be able to, 
especially with the two-year-olds to be able to be involved with some good horses like we have been and they've they've all just kind of stepped up and done things that you know we we expected but at the same time they've kind of over expected it as well you know in the case of like rattle and roll we knew he's a really really good horse but then for him to jump up and win the Brutus maturity right after breaking his maiden is just a, a testament to how good of a horse he really is yeah you had a ton of horse that day I mean they go around again that horse just draws off uh that's got to be exciting for next spring uh, it, it it has to be I what, what's the plan for him is that is it me Louisiana Arkansas uh, Florida do you is do you is that you made that determination yet um, you know, that's, that's more of Kenny's deal. He, he's going to pick out the plans. You know, we have, so he has so many of those two-year-old boys right now that he's got to kind of, he's trying to keep yeah. them separated. You know, he's got, he's bomb. And then the other, the first time started at one at Keeneland, smile happy. He was really impressive. So he's another one that we're looking forward to. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time, an exciting time. And yeah, it was Kim McPeak really that I wanted to touch on the most, um, because by my count, you tell me if I'm wrong. If you know the total, I may be wrong. I could be off. By my count, since September 1st, you've won 24 times with Kenny. 24 times. It it might be more than that. Again, I apologize if it, if it's not. Some of the names that come to mind: uh, Sandstone twice looked really good. Uh, Penny Saver twice. Camp Hope, Rattle and Roll, as we mentioned. Uh, King Fury. I think he's going in the Clark. Uh, Laughing Boy. We could go on and on and on. It's uh, did you realize you'd won that many times with him? No, I hadn't realized it had been that many. You know, that's it, in a short period of time to go from Kentucky Downs through Keeneland to the first week of Churchill and to win 24 races for one guy. That's that's pretty impressive stats. That just, I guess, it goes back to showing what a good team we've made. You know, he he entrusted he entrusted me in riding a smart race and giving him the best opportunity and. And, you know, he, they do a really good job back at the board between him and all his assistants and all his help. They they just bring over live horses that we're, we're able to kind of just give good trips to and let them show their best ability. Yeah, it's it, he, he traditionally flourishes in, in the in the autumn and uh, he certainly has this year. Uh, and one of those horses I don't think I mentioned a moment ago, but it's for a reason is a horse that did not run in Kentucky in his last start. It's a horse uh, ran in California about a week and a half ago. Tis the bomb. And of all the ones that I could mention, he's the one I wanted to bring up first. Because one of the un unfortunate side effects of the ridiculousness, the chaos we saw that happened in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf was, in my mind, maybe you agree with this, is that it overshadowed one hell of a race by Tis the bomb. I mean, he flew home to get second behind a world-class horse in modern games. Uh, but no one's talking about it because, you know, because of the, the betting and the scratch and, and whatnot. I really feel like his effort flew under the radar. And after already winning two stakes on that guy, do you do you feel like he's getting the recognition he deserves? Uh, yeah, I consider promising special. Yeah, and he's still a, a developing horse, too, because even after, like, the bourbon, he won the bourbon pretty convincingly, but he was still kind of figuring things out. And then going into – in the, the Breeders' Cup race, even myself, I was going around the first turn, and I'm like, man, I, I, I gave him too much to do. There's no way I can make up this kind of ground on, on these kind of horses. And uh, we we were able to work out a pretty good trip and turn it for home. He he switched leads and was really running. To be able to run down over half the field like he did and end up second to to modern games, you it just goes to show you that he looks like he's the type of horse that's uh, 
he's gotten better and better with each race. And I don't think we've seen near the best of him yet. So, yeah, he's one that we're definitely excited about. You know, and, and you talk about the bourbon here, but it makes me think of the bourbon race because you broke through the gate in the bourbon. And that day, yes, I think I had bet you. I had bet, I'd bet the horse. And during the race, it looked like you were making – if, if memory serves me, you tell me if I'm wrong about this – that you were making a move and all of a sudden it felt like the horse was kind of in neutral or, or maybe losing ground a little bit. And in fairness, yeah, I kind of quit which, watching for a moment. And then you came, came again and won easy. What happened there? Yeah. You know, we got lucky and we were, we were kind of towards the outside that day in the bourbon and uh, the horse right to our inside broke sharp and, and we were able to follow him over down and save a lot of ground and, and get good position. And I was happy with my spot. And then going into the second turn, a horse jumped up on his outside and, and kind of, took off and I don't know if he got intimidated or what it was. I think it was just being a, a young two-year-old. He didn't know he had never been in that situation before. So he just kind of, he idled around the turn and he really didn't go anywhere. So I, at that point I was like, Oh man, I have no horse. I'm, he's just going to kind of, he'll be third or fourth, but then turning for home, I got him, got him outside of the horse that made the early move. And, uh, he, he just jumped back into the bridle and, and he just kind of ran away from him again. And that, that's just going back to like I was saying before with he's just he's a horse that's still learning and just still kind of figuring it out because you got to realize that was what his fourth race. Yeah. In bourbon. Well, so that, that's got to be just, exciting that he hasn't quite put it all together. Right. And he's running yeah, his exactly. spots and still getting it done. Exactly. And that that goes back to just like the Kentucky Downs race. You know, he they the guys back at the barn kept telling me how good he was doing, how how ready he was for that race. And even in that race, he was still kind of playing around and figuring things out and i just like i was saying that like it goes to show you with each race he's gotten better and better and especially in the his breeders cup race the other day that was that was a phenomenal race you're, you're it not was. gonna see too many you're not gonna see too many two-year-olds make up that kind of ground especially at delmar yeah and more people be talking about if, if all the silly chaos hadn't happened um so two things in regards to that one so when all the scratches happened, I actually bet Tis the bomb once the scratches happened, and I got paid win money, even though the horse ran second. You rode the horse, he ran second, and you're not getting win money. Uh, is that kind of jacked up? Is that is, is that kind of crossed your mind at all? No, nah, I mean that's it's part of it's part of racing. You know, it was an odd situation because when we came back after the race, up on the up on the screens and stuff, it all had congratulations, the winner, Tis the bomb. But like I told my wife when we were heading back to the airport later that day, I said, it seems like we they can say we won, but we're still only getting paid for second. Exactly. We got we got the check in the mail the other day and it was second place money. Yeah, it's it's I, that, that occurred to me. Everybody's bitching and, and complaining. It's like, well, those who bet the horse got we got paid properly. You didn't. It's kind of kind of messed up. But as we all know, that situation was incredibly messed up. And when it happened. Did you and the other jocks know what the hell was going on? I mean, we didn't know. We were at home with our phones in our hand and the, and the TV on. What was it like for you guys sitting there waiting around, not knowing what was happening? No, we, we didn't know anything at all, really. We were, myself and Johnny V and uh, William Buick, we were sitting on the inside fence, and we were like, what, what's going on? And uh, all we can really do was listen to when uh, Larry Colmus would come across the loudspeaker and, and say, kind of give him a heads up on what was going on. I think the craziest thing about the whole situation, though, was the crowd. When when he came over to the loudspeaker and said that uh, Modern Games was going to run for purse money only, the whole grandstand just started booing. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a 
it was a crazy scene. Well, you just mentioned William Buick, who, who, for those who don't know, William Buick rode modern games. So William Buick sitting there next to you, all of a sudden he's got a mount in the Breeders' Cup, then he doesn't have a mount, and then all of a sudden he's got a mount again. His head must have been spinning. Yeah, he didn't know he didn't know which way to go because when they first announced that his horse had been scratched, then he started looking for the starter and the the vet just to say, hey, they let me out the front. My horse didn't break out the front. And then. The starter, I guess the starter and the vet got together and they finally, you know, they were like, hey, that horse did not break out the front of the gate. We we let him out the front so he wouldn't get injured. And uh, then it, it was just it was just so chaotic that really nobody knew what was going on. Yeah. It, well, I, I can assure you those of us back here in Kentucky across America felt the same way. Yeah. Um, amazing. All right. On to Camp Hope. Camp Hope uh, is one I don't think a lot of people would think to ask you, but uh, I want to ask you about it for, for two reasons. One, our pal Scott Leeds and the good folks at Walking L Thoroughbreds, they own that horse, and we think very highly of Scott and the Walking L operation. Thanks for the T-shirts, by the way, Scott. And uh, two, this horse seriously recaptured his talent, his groove once he got to the turf. He got two big wins. He got the Brian Station stakes on turf. Both were very easy. And so what I want to ask you from a, from a rider's perspective can you immediately tell when a horse with that kind of talent makes that dirt to turf move? Can you immediately tell that you, that all of a sudden he went from a Cadillac to a Ferrari? Is it, is it, is it, can a rider tell just when they get on the grass that, Hey, this, this horse loves this surface. Yeah. You know, and I got to say, I'm super proud of that horse just because Scott owns it. You know, Scott's been a great friend and a great owner to me over the years. You know, he, he lets us ride everything he runs. And uh, in Camp Hope's case, you know, he won first time out at Churchill on the dirt. Yeah, like, he, two turns. He did it like, yeah, two turns, a mile and a 16th, and did it like a an old horse. He sat sat in the pocket and just kind of did everything I needed him to do. And turning for home, he opened up and, and won really, really impressively. So we were we were really, really high on him from day one. And then he ran back in the Breeders' Cup, and that might have been a little too much too early for him. And, and it just took him a while to kind of – get back in his groove of things and now between the allowance win at at keeneland and then the brian station he's kind of back to where he needed to be and truthfully if i wouldn't have rode him as bad as i did at kentucky downs the day he he ran there he he'd have won that day as well I just, oh really I didn't give him the yeah i didn't give him a very good trip and that's what i had to come back and apologize to both scott and kenny i was like man i'm i'm sorry we we ran the best horse today but i didn't I didn't give him a very good ride, and uh, that, that's that's the beauty of riding for those guys as well. You know, they're they're understanding about things like that. You can be honest with them and come back and say, "Hey, you know, today wasn't one of my best efforts. We'll uh, we'll we'll come back and and do it again." And and luckily in Camp Hope's case, he's a good enough horse story. He was able to overcome it and show show his last two races what he's all about. Yeah, I think it's exciting with that horse because he's he just running Kentucky Downs. So he comes back in a very small time frame at, twice on the turf at Keeneland and, and bags two of them in that short meet. Uh, pretty impressive. And I know Scott's got to be excited with this horse making that kind of move to turf. Uh, I've got more stuff for you, Brian, but I'm going to let these guys get in here real quick. But I'm going to get back with you, okay? All right. CC? Hey, hey Brian, this is CC. How's it going, buddy? Good. Yourself? I'm all right. Hey, I'm a big fan as well, but I want to talk about your your uh, your Kentucky Derby and Kentucky Oaks prospects. Uh, rattle and roll was super impressive in the Breeders' Futurity. Uh, 
does that horse have some improvement in him or do you think he can uh is, is he a derby type horse he certainly looked like it at keeneland what what what's your uh, impression on the uh impressions of the uh, future prospects of this horse i think he's a horse that we haven't really seen the best of him you know he's uh he's a typical kenny mcpeak buy you know kenny buys these big long lanky horses that seem to get better with age and distance and he's the type of horse that he's just with each race he's improving and improving so we're gonna i i think kenny's giving him a little time right now and have him back next year as a three-year-old and uh he's one of those kind of horses especially being owned by the mackens the mackin family you know we're really excited for them to to be able to have some good horses like they have right now and he's like i'm saying for a horse to break his mane and come back and win a grade one like he did uh he's he's exciting we were looking yeah. forward to him for the Breeders' Cup, but unfortunately, that didn't happen. Yeah, one of the owners is uh, Michael Mack, and he's a he's a Louisville guy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yep, the whole Mack, they're all Louisville guys. Yeah, he so, owns a uh, cab company and stuff. He used what's to, that? I think he used to own a cab company. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, what about uh, Tiz the Bomb, Brian? Is that uh, the horse has got a lot of turf in his pedigree, but uh, any chance he could switch to the dirt at some point? He does. You know, he broke his maiden first. He broke his maiden over at Ellis by 14 on the dirt. That's right. On a mile. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I think as of right now, I'm, I believe Kenny's planning on running him back in the jockey club. Oh, you know, so he, he will be on he dirt. Still, he, he may be, you know, I, I think we're going to work him this week and see how he, how he came out back out of the, uh, from Breeders' Cup, make sure he's got his energy up and everything. And then we could see him in the jockey club. Well, outstanding. I can't wait for that. Uh, so, uh, Brian, now I, I'm biased, but I think you're one of the top jockeys in the country. But uh, on the national stage, do you think uh, – do you have a chip on your shoulder uh, when you ride in big races? or, or and What what motivates you at this point in your career? I mean, you, you've accomplished quite a bit. You're one of the leading riders here in Kentucky. But uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Just being able to – be a part of these really good horses and having the three kids here you know you gotta you gotta get up and go support them yeah but uh I, I think a lot of it is just being around the good horses you know getting up in the mornings and being able to go find another another good horse another rattle and row and tis the bomb and those guys right well before i turn it over to brandon i got one just one stupid question popped in my mind i was watching a race the other day the horse uh, was getting bet off the board and i just wondered when you go down to a paddock, go down to the paddock to uh, talk to the trainer, talk to the owner, and do they ever come out and just say, "Hey, this horse is going to win," just ride him accordingly? Do they just tell you straight up, "Hey, this horse is well meant today. You need to, you know." And then you see the money has arrived at the tote board. Does that ever happen? What? 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 Yeah. How do? What do trainers say to you in situations like that? Yeah, you know, every once in a while you'll go out there with a a first timer or something that they they've liked in the mornings quite a bit. And they'll be like, Hey, just go out there and give them a clean trip. And all you got to do is hang on. And, and most of the time they're right. Do those, uh, are, those are the times you really like it. Cause you're like, Oh man, this is going to be easy. Do the top trainers give you instructions, like really detailed instructions, or do they just come out and say, Hey, you ride them how you see fit. <laughs> no, you know, that's, that's another great thing. The guys I ride for, they, uh, I've ridden for a lot of them for so long now that I kind of know their program and that's why they ride me. I kind of have their, their style that they want, they want their horses ridden. So they go out there and trust me that, Hey, he's going to give them a good clean trip and, and 
we just kind of go from there. And, and like I said before, if every once in a while, if something doesn't go right and it, it doesn't work the best situation for the horse, I, I can always come back and tell them and be like, hey, you know, this wasn't the best trip for this horse today. And with like, I'm lucky enough that the guys I ride for, I can come back and tell them that and not have to worry about getting taken off of that horse for another jock that will go and, and do exactly what you told them and get rewarded for it. Well, you've earned that right in your career. You know, I, you, you don't have to ride for people like our own Brandon Jaggers who would who would want to give you very detailed instructions and probably lead you astray. But I'm going to turn the mic over <laughs> to Brandon and uh, see see what he's got to say for you. Hey, Brian, I'm going to keep it simple, but I, I want to congratulate you. Sunday was you had a lot of good mounts and, uh, you know, one in particular where you had a mount for Brad Cox. Tell us about how how that came about. Is this kind of like a prelude to going to the fairgrounds? Do you think you're going to get a, a few more Cox mounts? And and how, how did, did your agent come into play with that one with homebrew? Um, you know, we've ridden for Brad here and there quite a bit, but one of the biggest things that's helped us with Brad a lot is uh, Richard Klein, the owner. He owns yep. quite a few horses with, with Brad. Well, out here at my farm, I have a, I have two donkeys and a couple layup horses for him that my wife does layups. And uh, he's kind of stayed in Brad's ear over the years, you know, ride Brian on a few, ride Brian on a few. And and it's worked out well this year, especially because I've, I've won quite a few races for Brad and it's kind of snowballed. The, the horse I rode for him on Sunday is actually a, a really, really nice horse. It was another case we we didn't have the best of trips. I was between horses around the turn, and uh, the inside horse shoved out and knocked us sideways, and then we we lost like three or four lengths. And then for that horse to be only his second start, he re rallied and made a big run at the winner. Yeah, and that horse was owned by Gary and Mary West, and that's what I thought it was just unique to see. And um, yeah, we we saw that trip. I specifically saw the entire trip. And was honing in on you for the big prize money and uh no points for second place over here but um you know i do you so when you go down to the fairgrounds do you think you'll have a few few more cox mounts yeah we'll ride a few more for him you know when, when we're available you know we always like hooking up with those guys and uh he he won't have his he won't have his normal riders down there you know he normally rides flow and and those guys, but uh, Flo's going to Oakland, so hopefully we'll pick up right. a few more horses for him. We'll see how yeah, it all goes. Well, back to Richard Klein. We're we're big, you know, big fans of Richard. He's been on the podcast before, and I've seen him multiple times. Great, great horseman, great breeder. He's trying his best. He doesn't have the like, the hugest, the biggest breeding operation, but uh, I mean, the guy tells it like it is. He's been around the business a long time, so. Well, that's good. I'm yeah. glad you got an advocate in him. Yeah, no, he's a he's a really good guy. You know, that that's another thing. He took us out to uh to Clarkland Farm this summer. My wife and I went out with him to see all his brood mares and his yearlings and stuff. And it was really cool because we got to see, you know, his big mare is uh hidden assets. She's retired now. But she uh she sits out in the field all day with Leslie's lady, which is the mom to beholder and all them. So it was it was cool to go out and see those superstars. Yeah, awesome. Hey, uh, uh, Brian, this this is the point of the show where I have a jockey on, okay, and uh, he's on my podcast, and this is where I ask him something I've always wanted to ask a jockey because I'm old and fat, and I'm never going to know what it's like, so bear with me here. Um, here in Kentucky, we have lots of one-mile races at our tracks, right? We have, and they're all unique, correct? 
Churchill has the one turn mile. Keeneland and Turfway have the two turn mile that starts, you know, near the near the turn. Ellis has that one and a half turn mile that nobody else has, and uh, the Kentucky Downs. Yeah, it's busy yeah, exactly. And Kentucky Downs, even though it's on the turf, it has that uphill, downhill kidney bean thing going on. So as a rider, every time when you run run at these tracks, you got to get a mile out of out of the, all these horses, regardless of the shape of the racetrack. But what are some of the nuances, some of the keys? you use to successfully navigate each, even though it's a mile, they're all different. I mean, you've ridden them all. So what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, at Churchill, there's, there's certain parts of the racetrack that you can use to your advantage at going that mile, like coming across the chute. If you can get to the fence, you kind of get a little momentum going. And, yeah. and that helps you a lot. That helps you a lot. And then at Ellis, Ellis is weird because like the mile where they break out of, that the track's always loose down there. So horses always kind of, the ground will kind of break away from them. So when you leave the gate, you always got to make sure you got them under you. And then from there, you just got to make sure you got room because that turn, that half turn, the fence comes out, kind of bites you if, you, if you're not careful, which- Brandon knows that. In the, uh, yeah, that's what I was about to say. You know all about that in the groupie dial, isn't it? Yeah, that's you his know? horse. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, yeah. Shane, we were better than Matera, so easy. <laughs> Uh, I, I'll, I'll agree with you there. Cause once you got, once your horse got in that situation where she did in a big field like that, you, you got no chance to make no up that chance. kind of ground. No and chance. then I think back to like Turfway and Keeneland, those, those miles are kind of the worst mile races run around because you got such a short run to that first turn that if you have a horse from the seven path, seven hole mm-hmm. out, they have no chance unless they take back and just drop down to the fence because you're going to get hung out wide the whole way. And especially at Keeneland, because Keeneland, you start short into the first turn and then you end at the first wire. So you, you really got no run around there whatsoever. So if you got a horse with speed, inside speed, he's going to win 70% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky Downs, any anything there? I mean, you do Kentucky. well there, which I, I find amazing. Any rider does well there and stuff, but you're, you're one of the good ones. And, it's always amazing me that how you guys are able to navigate that. Kentucky Downs, you uh, you sit back and grab a lot of mane and let them let them do whatever they want. <laughs> really? Is it that simple? Yeah. You, oh. you ever see a horse fall down when he's running in a field? That's good points. So they're happy, is what you're saying, right? They, exactly. They're in their they're in their habitat. Stay out their way. I mean, they they're smart. They know what they're doing. But riding that track for us watching the racetrack. It's it's hard for us to watch it, you know. It, I guess we're so accustomed to it. There's like like hairpin turns, and you think they're done. It just when you first started riding that racetrack, did it take you a while to adapt, or I mean, does it still throw you to this day? No, I mean it, it, it's always been one of those places that you just like I said, uh, growing up in Louisiana, we grew up riding yeah racing Sh- racing Shetlands and stuff in fields. So kind of goes back to that. You just toss them their head and uh. Let them get around. The only difference is that we're running for 400,000 at Kentucky Downs and not sacks of feed. <laughs> guess there's a big difference there. Hey, uh, you come from a horse racing family. I know your wife, Jamie, does. Uh, mm-hmm. You ride and and you also ride and you likely learn from so many great trainers. There's Asmussen, Cox, Wilkes, Dallas, McPeak, etc. You factor all that in. Plus how I think most people would agree that you kind of seem to be like such a student of the game. You factor all those factors in. 
is, is training a possibility once you decide to retire uh, many, many moons from now, granted, but has you ever thought about that down the road? I mean, you seem like a natural for it with that pedigree because this nah, game's all about pedigree, I right? Yeah, it is, but I don't, I don't know about the training aspect of it. That's kind of a, that's a tough gig. You know, it's a, it's really, really expensive job and you're always kind of, you're always chasing behind. So I don't know, it, it'd be something that my wife and I would have to sit down and talk about, you know, she, she'd be a whole lot more fitting for training than I am. I'd, I'd probably be a good stall cleaner, but that, that'd be about <laughs> it. That's awesome. Um, I guess lastly for me personally, what I wanted to ask you about is uh, Miguel Mena. Everyone knows um, he's a friend of yours. I know. So it's, you know, touchy subject where, but of course he passed away tragically a few weeks ago and I know everybody's tore up about it. I'm, I'm sure it's been, it's been hard on you. Uh, is there any thoughts, memories that you have, Miguel, that you want to share with anybody, maybe a, a great race ride where either in race or just for you watching from the stands or the jocks room where you were just in awe of something that he did. Is there anything you want to share that comes to mind? Yeah, you know, uh, Miguel, Miguel and I, we, we sat next to each other in the, in the jocks room for the last 15 or 16 years, oh, whatever God. it's been. So, so it's, yeah. And, and like going down to New Orleans, we both go down to New Orleans all winter long and, uh, our families, they, they would stay here. So after the races every night, we get together and, and go have dinner right there at the little restaurant outside the, the back gate. And we've, we've actually gotten really, really close over the years. So when they told us about his passing, you know, it, it was hard to believe, but, uh, I guess at this point, you know, our, all you can do is, is celebrate the life and the fun he had while, while he was here with us. And, you know, Miguel, he was just a really, really, really smart rider. That was one thing I always got from him. And I'd be able to sit down with him and, and discuss horses and, and we'd talk things over. And like I said, he just, when he had the opportunity to ride really good horses, like he proved it with uh, Tom Zetzad last year in yeah. the Foster, he was a really smart and good rider that knew he knew the situations and he knew he knew what kind of horse he had under him and he's just it's a talent that we lost way too soon because uh at the he was going to go down to new orleans early and, and really get to get to rolling and even here at churchill in the fall since since this has happened he's had quite a few horses that he had been riding that that won so it's it's just a sad situation really Sad situation. I, I always would. Uh, I, when I think of Miguel Maynard riding, I would think of two things: him getting out on a on a route horse on a speed and just backing the field down, or coming up the rail. He was fearless coming up the inside. Uh, yes, he, he would. He yes, would thread he the needle. Yeah, he would thread the yes, needle. I mean, I know. I would yeah. watch him. He'd make me money and stuff. And then uh, other guys wouldn't do it, man. He, if there was a couple inches there, he was going for that hole. And that's there. That, that's saying <clears> something. There, there was a race last winter at the fairgrounds. He was riding a first timer for Eddie Johnson, Louisiana bred. And he told me before the race, he said, "Hey Cholo, I like this horse a little bit." So I'm like, "Okay." So we were going around the turn, and uh, I heard it. I heard it. I was like, not even a half a path off the inside fence, and I heard somebody holler, "Yo, yo, yo, yo!" Up my inside. So I'm like, "Oh shit, here comes Miguel," and I got out of his way. The minute I went right, he zoomed through the inside. He just got beat a neck. Oh, just memories like that that you you always cherish. Yeah, I can imagine. He was he was a great rider. Such such a tragic loss. Uh, guys, you got one thing more for Brian. We, we Brian, we've kept him long enough, but uh, 
I mean, I could talk all day to Brian and his horse. Do you guys have anything else for him? I don't have anything for him. Just uh, wanted to know. Yeah, we we're all big fans of you. I mean, we really mean that. He means yeah, we, that. No, no. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. That means a lot. Yeah, we we follow you wherever you go. You know, especially on the on the national stage. We 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 want you to do best, and we. Um, uh, we, we think a lot of you and you seem like a really good person. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, it's, it's hard to root for a lot of people in horse racing it seems, but, uh, you're definitely one of the good guys and yeah, we, we think a lot of you. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, that means a lot. And I would add that when you get down to the fairgrounds, I want you to get, uh, get James Graham, get, uh, Michelle Lovell, get Tom Drury or whoever else, you, whoever else you want to get your buddy. Y'all all go out to dinner one night. And Brandon Jagger is going to pick up the check, but he'll take the tag. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> he threw him right under the bus. Well, you know, he, he didn't know that was – I thought maybe he had already went to the bathroom or something didn't hear that. But, uh, yeah, that's on Brandon, all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting in my new studio just trying to figure out how how I can get back, maybe homebrew when it comes in for the next win. Homebrew's due for a win. <laughs> Homebrew home will probably be down at Oakland looking in the winner's circle. Got to <laughs> no. get, got to talk to Flo then if that's the case. That's what, yeah. yeah. I, I did tell that's a Flo after the race. I said, well, you're probably going to win on that one next time. Yeah. Say hey, thanks. For, <laughs> I might be able to get a dinner out of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just one other question, you know, when you're on the backside, are, are you typically back there working horses Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or uh, what mornings? Um, just about, just about every morning, you know, I drove over to Keeneland this morning. I worked four over there and then I got to be over at Churchill tomorrow morning and I'll probably be at Churchill every day now up until, uh, next Monday. Yeah. To close out. Well, you stay pretty busy then in the mornings. We'll be looking for you. I might see you back there Friday or Saturday and we'll be out there Sunday racing. So, uh, I don't know what you... What what you have on the mount, but I'm not. I think we're getting. I think flows on us on Sunday. So. Oh, perfect. Well, best of luck. Yeah. Thank All you. All right, Brian. Th- again, thanks for uh, uh, dropping by. We appreciate. It. Uh, we'd love to. We'd love to have you every week. But uh, you know, you're a busy man. And uh, good luck at the fairgrounds. And good luck with King Fury and the Clark. I do believe he's headed for the Clark. Is that right? I, I believe so. You know, he ran a big race in the Fayette. Big race in the Fayette. So it looks like. On the Clark, and hopefully we can get that grade one. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I think I awesome. love that horse. All right, Brian, thank you very much for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Anytime, guys. That was Brian Hernandez Jr., and he is riding a plethora of really top horses out of some good barns. And uh, he, in the last two weeks of the Churchill meet, uh, keep an eye on him because he's going to be uh, riding a lot of the good ones. That's for sure. Yeah, can I say this? Well, uh, uh, Brian's great, and I, I say this all the time, and I mean it because I mean it. And when we started this podcast 80 episodes ago. We are so fortunate. We have met so many great people, and uh, they've they're all been wonderful. I, if you get tired of me saying it, I, I don't care. It's the truth. And Brian's another example of that or whatever. And that's probably been the biggest surprise of doing this podcast is meeting so many wonderful people. I know CC and Brandon agree with me and stuff. And Brian is at the top of that list. So thanks again, Brandon, Brian, something like that, Brandon or Brian. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's clean things up here. And we're going to talk about uh, Thursday. Uh, 
at the Louisville Thoroughbred Society. Uh, Brandon, why don't you talk about this? We got a, maybe a, a presentation from um, Michelle. Yeah, you got to go back a couple months. I mean, we're two months past when the race was held, but it was the Louisville uh, Thoroughbred Society stake race that we had at Churchill Downs. It was that Saturday night, I believe, uh, back in September uh, 13th. And uh, our good friend Michelle Lovell won with Just Might that evening. It was a $250,000 stake race, if I recall. And we're going to have like a little presentation ceremony uh, Thursday night at Louisville Thoroughbred Society here in downtown Louisville at 6 o'clock. It is a club, and so they always kind of want to know who's coming up. But the friends of the podcast want to join us to uh, celebrate with our friend Michelle and uh, some of her friends that are coming. Uh, please reach out to the three of us, and you can be included. So uh, I, we look forward to having a great evening this coming Thursday night. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll share some pictures on our a Facebook page with everybody to, to congratulate Michelle and she's going to gift a, a shadow box of some memorabilia from that, from that race and the horse that night. So it should be awesome. a lot of fun. I agree. I agree. I've never been out there, but I'm looking forward to it. And if it's for Michelle, we're there. Will there be food? Craig, for you, anything's possible. <laughs> so answer the freaking question, whether it be food or not. <laughs> you got it, buddy. Good. I'm holding you to that. All right, uh, Brandon, uh, back to you real quick. Uh, Color of Dawn is supposedly making her uh, return to the races on Sunday. Is that correct? Yeah, I haven't seen uh, what race per se, but it will be an allowance. No wonders a one. Uh, Her making her debut back uh, first time this year. We tried to start her back at Keeneland in, in March and April. That didn't pan out so well. We give her more time, uh, and she's been training really well. Uh, she's going to debut going six furlongs, so we're not expecting her to go a mile or longer, but uh, she's showing us all the right signs in the morning, and Brad Cox seems to think so with the rest of the barn. So we have ho- you know high hopes for her, and uh, we're gonna I'm going to have a big, big group out. A lot of my family and friends are going to come, and I may actually even get my dad to come to a horse race, so we'll see. Best of luck. I saw her work the other day. She looked good. She looked good the other day. That's right. Alan and I did a lot of homework on the backside. So <laughs> yeah. we're going to try to get back there more Friday and Saturday while Craig's sleeping in. Yeah, I wasn't invited. Actually, so, he was. He was asleep, y'all. He was asleep. No, I was not invited. I was not invited. Next time we go, we're going to hit up Wagner's. They had a fantastic hamburger last time I was there. That was really – that might have been the highlight of the morning, but uh, – and I won't be able Craig, to see your Philly run. I'm going to Jeff Ruby Sunday night, so or Sunday afternoon. We got reservations. Bloody so, yeah. I might be joining you then if we win. No, we're <laughs> going to the one in Lexington. So. Oh yeah. 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 So I mean, you should have should have planned this out a little bit better. Yeah. Well, Alan and I actually ate at the trackside uh, kitchen. Track kitchen, yeah. On, on nice. Sunday, and we had a very majestic view of the of the track and. Brendan Walters for Mr. Allen. Yeah, a lot of first. <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, let's just play a little game before we go. Uh, uh, Allen, we'll start with you. Uh, most impressive performance at the Breeders' Cup. Most impressive performance at the Breeders' Cup. Ooh, yeah, I would say next go when that race is over when it started. Um, how about Aloha West closing down the center of the racetrack? 
didn't think the horse was going to get there, got up. Uh, I'll either say that or the uh, the work by the photo finish guy, because there was a couple of really crazy ones. But uh, give me Aloha West, a bit of an upset. I, I love the way that horse closed out on the racetrack. Brandon? I would say Golden Pal. I was trying to beat that horse, and me I mean, too. there was no beating the horse. It was just meant to run and win that race. You could have had 25 horses in that field, a European race. Golden Pal's going to win. Yeah, I was allowed to six horses in the pick five did not use Golden Pal, and that race was over 0.12 seconds as soon as the gate opened. So uh, Wesley Ward has his horses ready to rock from the gate in those turf sprints. Yeah, but that horse has never run like that in, 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 in the attempts up to that. I mean, he saved his best for last, that's for sure. Now, I don't he know about the it. timing on that race. They went 21-43, and I think a sub-55, like a 54-4 and four or something like that. I'm not sure if that was right or not. But he was clear. He was clear, and he was, he was not challenged. So. Absolutely clear. So. And you, what do you say, CC? Uh, well, obviously, the uh, that the best performance has nothing to do with what I did. I didn't cash a ticket. On Brewers Cup Saturday, I did catch that late pick four, but uh, and I had the try in the uh, the juvenile, but uh, yeah, I think the loves only you was impressive. Yeah, uh, you just don't see a lot of the Japanese horses come over here and any any, but the, the, this one uh, she was uh, she was worth the wait. We kind of thought she would run big, and, and she certainly did. I thought that was a great great performance. Really helped my day out, and uh, I, I just watched watching a horse like that. Let stone cold closers of grade one quality go by. That's to me that was fantastic. That was that was that was an amazing ride. I mentioned it earlier in the show, and I'll I'll close with that. All right, so uh, that's all. That's all I've got. Uh, unless somebody wants to uh, to to go no. somewhere else. That'll uh, do. What what did you enjoy more, the uh, the Breeders' Cup or uh, Kentucky losing to Tennessee in football? Oh, you the made Breeders the right Cup. decision. I uh, made the right call. Yes, I certainly did. I had a feeling that might happen, and I despise those Big 12-type games where it's just run up and down the field. One team scores, next team scores. Those, uh, I hate those 49-44 games, 54. I, that's not football to me. And I didn't. I So in addition to losing the game, I'm just not a fan of that stuff. So. Yeah, right. I just want to say my handle for Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday, I, had, I played a lot. I won early, and I gave most of it back to barely break. Well, actually, I lost $33 on a large handle. So I was quite surprised that I nearly broke even. <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about that. I kind of like getting my butt kicked sometimes, but feeling broken even, you know, break even, I, you know, I don't know. I, you know, just I brought back for more the next day. So, All right, good work. Well, that's the key. You live, live to fight on. Yes. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the weekend. Or do like I do, get a second job. <laughs> all right. That's all I've got. Uh, it's a pleasure talking to Brian Hernandez Jr. Uh, second uh, Auxiliary Gate podcast journey for him. Uh, and uh, next week, we've got closing weekend at Churchill. Looks like we've got uh, big racing, Fall City, Clark Handicap, Kentucky Jockey Club, Goldenrod. Big stakes races. Hopefully we can get somebody back. We can handicap some of these races next weekend. Uh, but uh, for now, that is all we have. On behalf of Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers, this is CC Broadus reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home. Good night.